What's up, everyone? This is episode number 38 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. Before I get going today, I just want to remind you, as always, you guys can find me on my social media throughout the week. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast. My Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. I also have a YouTube that I use occasionally. You'll just have to search Wax Museum Podcast for that one. It should come up. Speaking of social media, I want to offer a little commentary on a couple of things I posted this week before I move on to the Prism stuff that I'm going to talk about today. Uh, The first thing I posted was a picture of a 2009-2010 Topps Black Steph Curry rookie card. Uh, When I've talked about grading in the past, a lot of people have mentioned that grading is subjective, and to an extent, I agree. Well, this card was originally slabbed a BGS 4.5 with a very low surface grade, and according to the old auction description, this was due to a small wrinkle on the surface. And eventually, this card was cracked out and showed up again as a BGS 9. Well, subjective or not, that's obviously a pretty significant jump. And I know that these companies grade thousands and thousands of cards. I understand that mistakes will happen. But there are several lessons that we can take from this still. Um, Number one, I, I post this to show that it's always important to do your research when you're in the market for a card, especially a very high dollar card like this one. I know I've said that before. I will continue to say that again. Um, A quick worth worth point search turns out the listing that mentions the wrinkle for this one. So the the research um, should be done, you know, the information's out there. You can't always trust the grading companies to catch everything. And I'm not even trying to pile on them right now. I know I've been critical of them in the past, but this this point is more to promote people doing their own research. Um, Takeaway number two This goes back to the people that have told me that tracking serial numbers doesn't matter. Um, It does matter. This card wasn't altered in the traditional sense. And I can pretty much guarantee that the new owner of this card probably wishes that Beckett had been tracking these serial numbers. Uh, Now, kudos to Beckett. It's something that they say they're pursuing now. Okay, we're going to try and, you know, get some updates on that. We're going to try and keep them accountable, but we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt and give them a chance to kind of put this in motion. Um, Also, kudos to you guys, though, because you were a big part in making that happen. However, though, this this card, you know, has already been slabbed twice. It's, you know, we can't fix the past. Who knows if the new owner even knows about this wrinkle? Either way, they're stuck with the damaged card for the time being. And they just have to hope that someone else comes along and buys the grade just like they did. The second big post that I made this week was on Tuesday. I posted a 10-player patch card from 2004 that featured members of both the Pacers and the Pistons. This is one of the favorite of my favorite cards in my collection. And the reason I posted this on November 19th was because that was the 15th anniversary of the Malice at the Palace the brawl in Auburn Hills, Um, the time that players beat up fans, you know, whatever you want to call it, it was a very dark moment for the NBA and then for my favorite franchise, the Indiana Pacers. I've mentioned before that I collected Ron Artest at the time. Um, Obviously, that that throws a wrench in your um, collecting habits when your player jumps into the stands and um, starts punching people, right? So, um, 
We never got any cards that officially referenced this event or paid tribute to it. Obviously, the NBA wasn't proud of this moment. Uh, some of you might be familiar with Panini Instant or Tops Now, which these are programs that we have. They're online programs now that will print up cards of special events immediately after they happen. Um, you know, I think we even got a card for a black cat recently that made its way to an NFL field. Um, well, if Tops Now had been around in 2004, we still wouldn't have seen a uh, Ron Artest Pummels fan card or a um, Jeff Foster wanders around aimlessly in a yellow polo card. You know, the league was so ashamed of the event that they refused to even monetize it, and the same goes for the card manufacturers. However, the Pacers and Pistons were already a big rivalry before that, so I think this 10-player card was in the works long beforehand. It was kind of a set that featured teams that um, you know, were current rivals or you know, as, as much as they could be. And um, when you look at this card, the Pistons side features their entire starting lineup. You know, it's it's um, a very, very strong team. You know, very good team. Obviously, they, they won a title uh, in 2004. The uh, Some of the Pacers players that they chose, however, will make you scratch your head. Austin Crozier, Jonathan Bender, David Harrison. <laughs> that guy has had a surprising amount of mentions on this podcast already. But three of the Pacers' better players face long suspensions and, it, and, you know, they're missing from the card. And it leads me to believe that Fleer had to call a last-second audible on this set. But that's a direct result of the brawl. So even though it's a dark day in Pacers history, it's an important day nonetheless. Uh, I have so much more to say about it, but I think eventually I'll devote an entire episode to it and, and talk about some of the cards of those two teams around that time frame. If that's something you might be interested in, feel free to let me know. Anyway, uh, let's move on to something that I figure a lot of you are probably interested in, and that's 2019-2020 PRISM Basketball. And um, we've already got a taste of PRISM this year with PRISM Draft, and then some of you that dabble in football have probably opened some of that as well. I've seen some of the color splash inserts from uh, both the draft and from the football, and I'm really excited about the prospect of getting those in an NBA product. Um, at the same time, there's been a lot of back and forth on the message boards and on social media regarding whether Prism Draft will hold its value over time. And those of you that are watching it will probably agree that it, it looked like it peaked early and has been trending down ever since. Um, that doesn't mean that it's worthless. Zion Silver seem to have stabilized in the $30 to $60 range right now. Personally, if I had the number one silver, because remember, there's two, there's number one, and then there's card number 64. If I had that number one, I would probably hold and take a chance, you know, for as low as they are. That $30 to $60 might stick, or it might even go up if people get priced out of the NBA version early on and he comes back on a tear. You know, it's not the hundreds that Zion owners are hoping for, but um, there were, you know, like I said, there were multiple base versions produced. There was a lot of this stuff made. There's a lot still sitting on the shelves and a lot of people aren't big on college uniforms. Now, some of the baseball people that have jumped over have likened this to Bowman Chrome, uh, but at least that stuff has pro uniforms pictured, be it from you know Photoshop or spring training or instructional league, Gulf Coast League, whatever. Um, I think any of the one-on-ones that can be snagged for under $75 for actual NBA players are going to be a good deal. 
I think any of the golds, um, at least the ones numbered to 10, that can be grabbed for cheap or worth getting. Um, just be careful. There is a gold parallel that's numbered much higher. Okay, so if you think you're getting a steal on eBay, just be very careful. Um, I don't think these will reach the same levels as their NBA counterparts, but I do think they'll serve as solid, cheaper alternatives for those who can't get their hands on the real thing. Um, now, I want to emphasize here that the fact that it probably won't hold its value like people want, uh, that doesn't mean it's a bad product. If you enjoy college products and you like something with a lot of parallels for cheap, it's a fun little rip. Collect what you like, open what you like. I ripped three hangers myself just for kicks. You know, you guys know I'm not a big college fan. It was still a fun product. It was enough to kind of scratch that prism itch. But if you want NBA prism, my advice to you is simple. Stop buying prism draft and wait for NBA prism. And it won't be long before we see it. We don't have an actual checklist yet, and we probably won't have one until it hits the shelves, but um, the scheduled release date is December 4th. I don't want to get people's hopes up, but there are a couple of projected shipping dates from people that have ordered boxes from various places that indicate that this stuff could actually be out before Thanksgiving. Um, I think I saw somewhere someone spoke to one of their um, card reps or you know at the, the retail store and, and that they were getting to the warehouse soon. So like I said, there's a chance it could be out before Thanksgiving. Um, however, to stay on the safe side, you know, Panini said December 4th, we're going to stick with that. Okay. I don't want to tell you it's going to come out sooner and, and get your hopes up for nothing. So, um, so this is a big year for Panini. You know, obviously we, you know, we knew that with the Zion hype I had, you know, long ago, Adam and I talked about Zion mania and what that would mean for the hobby. We knew it was going to be a big year. Um, I think Panini's put a lot of thought into it and I know a set like Prism is planned out well in advance, but, um, as a fun little activity, I want to play the role of Panini today, and I want to try and reformat this year's release in a way that's both profitable for them, but also maintains the value of the brand to some degree. I don't expect them to listen to this. I don't expect them to adopt any of these approaches. You know, I don't have any real influence in the card world, nor do I need it. Like I said, this is an exercise that I'm running through this week just for fun, um, something I wanted to do, something different here on the podcast. Uh, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, but before we go into my ideas, I do want to start with what we know, because there are a couple of sell sheets out there. I've seen one for hobby and one for retail. You can find those pretty easily online. I, you know, I think I searched Prism sell sheet, and the hobby version was one of the first results. Um, so the the retail cover features Trey Young at least on the, the sell sheet that I saw. Hobby features a picture of Kobe. It reminds me a lot of the cover of 2012, 2013 Prism. Maybe, you know, it might even be the same picture. Who knows? If not, it's very similar. Uh, but page two of the sell sheet goes right into the basic structure of the set. And it says, Welcome to the home of the Prism card. Look for prisms of your favorite NBA players from rookies to all-time greats. Prism features a 300-card base set making that special prism pull that much more special. Look for numbered versions from 299 all the way down to one of one. And um, then it pictures mock-ups for the silver prism, which I've shown off on my Instagram already that I did that weeks ago. Um, they show the gold number to 10 and then the black one of one. Uh, nothing earth shattering there, but it does confirm that the set will have 300 cards and include players of the past as well. 
And I want to take a moment to point out here, you know, I think this is um, a big difference between basketball and baseball collectors. You know, I, I could be wrong. Um, and I, I know I do have some baseball collectors that occasionally listen in, but, um, you know, I feel like basketball collectors wouldn't mind dropping the retired guys from this set. It might be different if Jordan were in it, but those don't really do anything to drive the product. Um, even though a lot of people are chasing the young guys in baseball, there are some flagship sets that feature a good amount of Hall of Famers. I know I call myself a basketball collector, but I do try and rip some Allen and Ginter every year. And in 2015, I remember Topps took out all of the retired players from the base set. I didn't mind that at all, but a lot of collectors were really upset about it. Um, the product still sold, though, but the company brought them back for every Ginter release since then, at least every you know main release. Um, anyway, we're getting basketball legends again. And um, the hobby sell sheet then shows several autograph sets and three new inserts called Fearless, Widescreen, and Far Out. It also mentions that they're bringing back Luck of the Lottery and Fireworks. Um, the retail sell sheet mentions um, inserts called Instant Impact, Emergent, Get Hyped, Dominance, and NBA Finalist. Um, and I didn't see any mention of Color Splash on either sell sheet, though, which I, I know I talked about that set earlier, and, and I just assumed it would be there. I guess we don't have any confirmation yet. Um, I figure it'll be there, though. I'm hoping it will be there. They also didn't mention uh, Freshman Phenoms, but with Zion, I wouldn't be surprised to see it show up again. And then finally, the sell sheet mentioned that Hobby Jumbo Boxes are going to have two autographs and 22 prisms per box. Retail boxes are going to have one autograph and 12 prisms. Um, Okay, so we don't know everything yet, but I will say if I was in Panini's spot, there are already a few things that I would do a little different. And that's not a criticism at all. Like I said earlier, I'm, I'm going to try and maximize their profit while also maintaining the general value and the general prestige of the brand as a whole. And, you know, as it turns out, from what little I know, they might have actually practiced a little more restraint with production than I expected or than I would here in my, um, you know, mock-up prism redo. Um, so without further ado, here is how I would restructure NBA Prism 2019-2020. Okay, so first off, one of my main goals is going to involve increasing production without increasing the number of parallels. There are 38 different parallels now in a player's prism rainbow. And granted, that includes cards from um, hobby, first off the line, retail, fast break, choice, and white sparkle packs. But 38, that is insane. Now, in the past, adding parallels has been a great way to ramp up production. We started in 2012 with just base, um, silver, which wasn't officially even called that then, green. um, Those were retail exclusives then too, and actually really tough and underrated for a long time, and then gold. And we've come a long way, and it's likely that the silver print run has jumped from roughly 180 to maybe 5,000 in that time frame too. And with all of that being said, if I'm Panini in 2019, I definitely want to increase production numbers. It's popular. People like to hoard multiple copies of cards. People are buying it by the cart full when they find it. But I want to keep the parallels the same. You know, enough is enough. It's it's likely then that the unnumbered parallels, i.e. the, you know, the silvers and the greens will take a jump. Um, but there's another specific route that I'd take in order to... Pr- Uh, increase production as well. 
So in my mind, and this is something I'm surprised that they haven't done, but in my mind, the base set has to have more than 300 cards. In fact, I would do everything I could to get it to 400. And I don't think it would be that difficult. When you looked at last year's checklist, all 30 teams averaged around 10 cards apiece for the base set. Um, to get to 400, they'd have to average between 13 and 14. So where do you get the extra 100 cards from? Uh, the first place I would look would be rookies. You know, After all, they're the ones driving a lot of these products anyway. Last year's set had 53 rookies in it. And that seems about right for the years before that. You know, I've heard that, you know, each year has about 50. Um, well, the NBA draft is two rounds of 30 picks each. So I would include all of those guys. That's 60. So that's already an increase. Um, that, on, that adds seven onto what we already had. And then right after the draft, there were a decent amount of undrafted guys that signed two-way contracts. You know, let's say we can grab eight of those guys. So that brings our total up to 15. Um, now we've got 85 more base cards to go, 85 additions. Um, another thing I noticed on the 2018 checklist was that there were 30 retired legends sprinkled in, but it wasn't an even one legend per 30 teams. A lot of teams didn't even get one, whereas teams like the Lakers or the Celtics had four or five. So I'm going to add 20 legends to existing franchises to make up for the teams that didn't get one. And then I'm going to add five ABA players from franchises that are no longer around. Um, so we've never um, we've never seen five in Prism at one time, but there have been dedicated ABA insert sets in other products. Um, we did get a, a Louis Dampier Kentucky Colonels card in 2014 Prism, um, and I would probably take a handful of Hall of Fame guys. You know, I know I mentioned franchises that aren't around, but I I would take some Pacers. You know, obviously I'm a little biased here, but um, you know I'd take probably Louis Dampier from the Colonels, Roger Brown from the the Pacers, George McGinnis from the Pacers, um, Charlie Scott from the Squires. You know, people know him from the Suns, but he was in the ABA. Um, recently inducted in the Hall of Fame, Zelmo Beatty. So that's 20 NBA legends and five ABA guys for an additional 25 retired players. So 85 minus 25, that means we have 60 base cards to go. So we're, we're moving along pretty quick. We're filling out these last 100 cards. You know, 60 base cards, seen as there are 30 teams, that makes things pretty easy for me. Um, first off, I would add one current rotation player apiece for each team. Um, so, you know, that's 30. There you go. There's half of it. And then this is going to be unpopular, but I would bring coaches back like we had in the 2017 release. I know I've mentioned before, I really liked coaches. I was in the minority. People were not happy when their silver and their parallels were coaches. Uh, for team collectors, it was awesome, though. You know, I, I think that's still better than the other options. You know, do you want to see GMs? Do you want to see mascots? We could take a, a page out of Topps Total's book there. I would be totally down for um, a Boomer Prism Gold, but I don't think other people would like that as their poll. Um, you know, I figure coaches would be the most realistic. Anyway, that brings the total up to 100 additional base cards. Let me break that down again real quick. Seven spots from the second round of the draft that weren't previously included. Eight undrafted players that signed two-way contracts. Um, 20 additional retired NBA legends. Five ABA guys. 30 more rotation players. And then 30 coaches. So that brings us up to a grand total of 400. Now, 
Why is this 400 base card number so important? Well, you've got to think about how many extra hits that's going to create because you want to up the production without upping the number of parallels. And you've got 100 additional base cards with, you know, let's say even if we did 5,000 silvers apiece, well, that's half a million additional silvers. That's a, a thousand more gold parallels. I'm not going to crunch all the numbers, but you get the idea. And in turn, then these extra hits enable you to up the production a little over 33% without adding any new parallels. You know, we don't have to exceed that ridiculous, whatever I said it was, 37 or 38. Now, speaking of silvers, I mentioned earlier that we, you know, we think we're around at least 5,000 already at production. Um, Another big change I would make would be to up the production of those specifically. So let's assume that we are already at 5,000 for every player. Um, We've seen this number calculated through all sorts of box and case breakdowns, but these cards aren't serial numbered. So you could increase the numbers produced enough to where it's still a chase to find them, but there are a lot more out there. Um, I would, you know, I personally, I would take it from 5,000 to 7,500. I've talked to a couple of people who said they wouldn't be surprised if they print 10,000 this year. You know, I really wouldn't be either. But I think 7,500 is a little safer compromise. Even at 7,500, look what that does for overall production. 400 base cards um, with 5,000 silvers, like I said, would be um, 2 million silvers overall. Up that to 7,500 and that number jumps to 3 million. And that's not even counting the silvers of the inserts, right? So the numbers seem insane, but I think the market supports that right now. You know, I think that, you know, in a year with Zion, I think that could work. And I don't think it would ruin the product enough to where people would shy away from it the next year, as long as there are continually desirable rookies to promote this thing. Okay, well, that leads me, you know, if if you thought that was different, that leads me to the most drastic change that I'd make um, to PRISM in 2019. And this is where things are going to get really fun. If I were Panini, I would create either an update set or a series two later in the year. And it doesn't really matter what phrasing is used as long as the function is the same. There might be some of you listening right now that are not on board with this at all. But I think it works really well in baseball, and baseball collectors seem to like it. Um, I'm going to modify it a bit to make it work here. But remember, you know, this is all hypothetical. I'm just one guy. This is just an activity for fun. These are just some of my ideas. Okay, But hear me out. In the past, we've seen alternate versions of Prism that come out later in the year. And the one that sticks out to me the most is a set that comes out in May called Prism Mosaic. And Prism Mosaic, if you're not familiar with that, you know, look it up. I'll try and post some on my Instagram this week. But this is an online exclusive set. There are only 100 base cards in the set with 30 cards in each box. And boxes are sold on Panini's website for around $100 a piece. Um, The cards still have a chromium surface, but the surface has a little bit different pattern, hence the name Mosaic. And these aren't as popular as regular Prism, but the set does have a couple of things going for it. Number one, the in-game photography is much better and it features guys in their new uniforms. Um, Number two, the autographs are all on card. And then number three, it gives collectors another chance to chase gold parallels at perhaps a fraction of the cost 
while still not overpopulating the gold pool entirely. The reason I say all this, the reason you know that I mention Mosaic and I talk about the structure of Mosaic is I think that's a good place to start. I would scrap Mosaic entirely and replace it with this update set, or I'm going to call it Series 2 from here on out. I would make the surface and the overall appearance identical to Prism Series 1. And, you know, in the 90s, we had Series 1 and 2 for basketball sets. This isn't anything that's, you know, abnormal. We haven't seen it in a while, but, you know, we've had this before. Um, But I would keep the basic makeup the same. You know, this can still be an online-only 100-card base set with in-game photography and on-card autos. Let's take those best aspects and let's stick with that. Um, so I want to th- run through the, the base set logistics that I would do for Series 2, a possible distribution model, um, and what I would do with the parallels. So to begin with, like I said, I would keep the 100-card base set. I would also make sure that they're numbered uh, 401 to 500. That way there's some continuity. Um, you know, you can piece the entire set together the whole year. You have to wait a little bit. There's some anticipation, right? Well, how do we determine what players are featured then in this new 100-card edition? I wish there were a lot of rookies that we could add here, but in all, in all reality, there probably wouldn't be because remember, I've already increased the amount of rookies in the, the first series, and I've included some undrafted guys there too. Um, even 10 would be pushing it. But just in case there was an undrafted player from earlier in the year that all of a sudden made a big splash, um, you know, take a guy like Kendrick Nunn because he was actually undrafted in 2018. Um, So, you know, this would ensure that he gets his Prism rookie as well. Um, Ideally, I'd like to see 10 here. The number's probably going to be closer to five, but we know that rookies drive the products. So I'm also going to take the top 10 performing rookies and give them a second base card, this time with an action shot. So that way, you know, this might be something that people would want to chase. And, you know, even if Zion's hurt all season, I'm going to give him a second rookie because let's face it, you have to. You can't make this set in 2019 without Zion. Okay, so that that takes care of 15. You have five rookies that, you know, maybe came on late or we didn't have cards up before, then you have the top 10 performing rookies. Um, That'd be 15. That leaves us with 85 players to go in this base set. So this one's fairly simple. I would take the 50 best players that change teams and get them pictured in their new uniforms. Now, I didn't say this earlier, but when I pieced together Series 1, I would make sure that there were absolutely zero pictures of traded and signed guys in their new uniforms and zero pictures from press conferences or media day. As a collector, I would absolutely hate this. But remember, I'm piecing this together as a manufacturer instead. This is 100% a selling strategy for Series 2. It also makes it easier on me as the manufacturer. That way I don't have to worry about rushing to find or purchase pictures for Series 1. You know, it gives consumers an incentive to go after Series 2. I've seen some people lately that are excited about LeBron's mosaic base and parallels from 2018 because they're the first prism cards of him in a Lakers uniform. You know, they used a pretty cool picture too. But a lot of people are turned off because of the weird mosaic finish. I don't think they see it as a true prism set. 
Now, if Mosaic had included a regular looking prism base with that picture instead, I think that card would have blown up. And that's one of the reasons people have used to justify the rise of LeBron's Optic Hollow from last season. Okay, um, so that takes care of players that change teams in the offseason. It would also include a guy that's, you know, maybe currently a free agent that signs like Jamal Crawford if he were to sign with a team in a reasonable time frame. Or a great recent example would be Carmelo Anthony. Okay, he just signed with the, the Trailblazers. He's definitely not going to be in Prism Series 1. So there will be roughly 50 of those. So that leaves us then with 35 cards to go. Um, I would, you know, to fill this out, I would add, you know, one more legend for maybe 20 of the franchises that could support another one. I don't want to push the legends too much, but, um, you know, sometimes you just have to do that to fill the set out. That brings us down to 15 cards left. Um, I would take the top 15 players that didn't change teams and give them another base card for 2019. That'd be guys like LeBron, Giannis, Curry, Harden, and so on. Um, And I know we're pushing the limits a little here, but that provides another gold for people to pursue. Now, is that going to water down the gold population some? Probably. Will they have a negative stigma attached to them as the Series 2 golds? Possibly. Will people still chase them? Absolutely. Okay, now speaking of the chase, that moves us into distribution. While I would love to push this product back into Walmarts and Targets for another round and once again see people loading up their carts, this is a 100-card set, so even with all the parallels, I just don't think that it's big enough to put in mass retailers. Mosaic was an online-only release, and I think Prism Series 2 would work all right as one as well. Uh, but let's try something different. Okay, I've talked about um, StockX a couple times lately. Well, do you guys, surely you remember that Bowman Chrome X product that all of your favorite Instagram accounts were paid to tell you about, right? In fact, they're still telling you about the platform. Um, a lot of these guys justified these ads by claiming that they didn't like the product, but they liked the idea of an IPO, which remember, that actually stands for initial public offering, even though they were calling it initial product offering. That's just semantics anyway. But they liked the idea of an IPO. Well, as many people predicted, the product itself seems pretty bad, at least from everything I've read. It indicates that it was just as bad as people thought it would be. But let's see how this IPO format works with a halfway decent product. Um, or maybe I should say a desirable product. I just wouldn't do it on the StockX website because, you know, I value my personal information and my payment information and that type of stuff. Um, So I'm hoping I can pitch something here that sounds desirable enough to produce 6,400 boxes. That's the number that I'm shooting for. Okay, now I'm throwing that number out here for a reason, and it's going to make more sense as I move into my plan for the parallels. Uh, It's not just some arbitrary figure, but it's the result of crunching some numbers, Um, you know, well, as best as I can. Let me add a disclaimer that there might be a better way to do this, but this is what I came up with. All right, so with there being such a small production run of this second series, I also decided it would be a great opportunity to pay tribute to 2012 and 2013 Prism before things were paralleled to death. 
So I'm going to use this nostalgia factor a little bit to try and drum up um, some feelings and you know get people to purchase maybe based off nostalgia as well. Uh, so here's what I mean. For this product, I am only going to include base, silvers, greens, golds, a black one of one, and then a nebula one of one. I know the last two weren't a part of the original release, but I think they have to be in it at this point. You know, those are pretty big incentives to buy in on these boxes. And you're going to get either a black or a nebula, one in every 32 boxes. So with 100 base cards and then three insert sets of 20 apiece, that's what I would put in there uh, in the set, that gives us 1,600 gold parallels total. So if we've got 1,600 gold parallels and we've and I've produced 6,400 boxes of Series 2, that means those are going to fall one in every four boxes. So they're going to be kind of tough to come by. Um, the silver and green cards are going to have identical print runs to each other in this set. So um, the 100 base cards, I'm going to have um, just 1,000 silvers and 1,000 greens for those. The 60 insert cards are going to be even more short printed on the silvers and greens. Um, each one of those is going to have 750 silvers and 750 greens. So for those of you counting, and I'll try and post this math later, um, just in case I made any mistakes here, but that makes for 145,000 silver total and 145,000 greens, which there will be, that averages out to 22.65 of each per box. Um, you know, if I have 24 packs per box, that means silvers and greens are going to fall roughly one per pack each. So each pack will have one silver and one green, roughly. Um, so these packs and boxes are going to pack a punch, but then the hits themselves are going to be relatively rare in the grand scheme of things. Because remember, your silver, your I'm sorry, your your base cards and your rookies for this series two are only going to have one thousand silvers. So think about it. You've got you know a rookie that missed the cut in series one, where there would be five thousand silvers. Well, now he only has one thousand silvers. That's going to make those greens valuable as well. Or you have Zion, who had you know the the silver that everyone's chasing from Series One, but then we have in-game photography for Series Two. There's only a thousand of them, and there's only a thousands of the greens. So these hits are are still going to be um, pretty valuable, in my opinion. If you know if this product were to exist. Um, so to sum everything up, once again, the structure of this update set will include base and inserts, silvers, greens, golds, a black one of one, and then a nebula one of one. Okay. All right. So there you have it. That's pretty much a wrap. Um, like I said, that was just a, a fun little activity I wanted to do here for you real quick. Before I close out today, I want to give you just a quick summary of the major changes I would make to 2019-2020 uh, NBA Prism in bullet point form. Um, first off, increase production without adding to the number of parallels. Stretch the base set from 300 to 400 by including a mix of more rookies, more retired players, more rotation players, possibly even coaches. Okay, sorry guys. Um, I would increase the print run of the unnumbered parallels like the silvers and the greens, which the silvers should jump up to 7,500. Um, I would make sure that zero traded or signed players are pictured in their new uniforms for Series 1. And then later in the year, probably around May, I would scrap Prism Mosaic and transform it into an update set 
um, with 100 base cards. These would include players in new uniforms and then a second base card for the top performing rookies so far. I would call this version Prism Series 2. Series 2 would be an online release only, possibly as an IPO with um, 6,400 boxes total. And then because this is a relatively limited release, the structure of the parallels for Series 2 would pay uh, tribute to 2012-2013 Prism, where you have base, silvers, greens, golds, and then the addition of the black 101 and the nebula 101. All right, so like I said, I don't expect Panini to adopt any of this. I'm not trying to tell them what to do. This is also not a criticism of what they've done. This was just supposed to be a fun activity, my humble attempt to reformat the NBA Prism set for 2019 and 2020. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it gave you something to think about. And now I'd like to hear from you. You know, what do you think about increasing the initial base set to 400? What about the update set? Um, is 6,400 boxes too much? You know, knowing what you know, what would you be willing to pay for one of these? You know, if in theory it was an IPO. Maybe you have some feedback about something else I proposed. You know, I'd love to hear it. Let me know on my Instagram, which is at Wax Museum Podcast, or my Twitter, which is at Wax Museum PC. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or Google Play. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast.